0: Hello, my name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique
1: blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you.
0: They have planned
1: and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome, useless eaters, to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, deep depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on
0: a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this
1: scourge will stop. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Oddcast featuring... The Odd Man Out. I am very excited to have my guest for tonight, Mr. Charles Savoy, who is an expert writer and researcher on a very little known group called the Pilgrims Society. Now, you may remember that I did a series, two shows on the Pilgrims Society several months ago, and I used some of Charles's work in those episodes. He's got vast amounts of information online on his websites. He's going to explain in detail who were the executives of the Pilgrims Society from their founding until 2014, which is the most previous records to date we have on the Pilgrims. It's very hard to find out any information about them and who is in the organization, but... There are two books available. One is, and I actually believe they're both out of print, but one is called The Pilgrims of the United States, A Centennial History, and one is called The Pilgrims of Great Britain, A Centennial History. Now, The Pilgrims of Great Britain was formed the year before the United States branch, and that was in 1902. These organizations were formed out of the Rhodes Roundtable Groups, and many of the same members of the Society of the Elect who were members of Rose Roundtable were also Pilgrims members. And so much like the Council on Foreign Relations, which was formed in 1921, the year after the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is now called Chatham House, the Pilgrims of the United States was formed the year after the Great Britain Branch. Now, according to Charles These guys are at the top of the pyramid of the Rhodes-era roundtables, the Inquiry, the Society of the Elect, the Rhodes Scholarships, and the rest. For those of you that don't know any information, I'll just read a quick excerpt from the book, The Pilgrims of the United States, A Centennial History. The Pilgrim Society of the United States was formed in January 1903 after an historic meeting at the Waldorf Astoria in New York the previous year, to promote the sentiment of brotherhood among the nations, and especially the cultivation of good fellowship between citizens of the United States and the subjects of the British Empire. Throughout the 20th century, the pilgrims' glittering dinners and banquets formed a focus for those who saw the abiding importance of an alliance of interests across the Atlantic. In the opening years of the 21st century, as the world faces threats and crises that would have been unimaginable to the founders of the society a hundred years before, the special relationship between the USA and the UK endures. The Pilgrims has its own special part to play in that relationship by cultivating mutual interests, understanding, and friendship between the two countries. And without any further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. Charles Savoy.
0: Where to start? Well, first of all, I'm 67. I don't look like it. Uh, I can still do quite a few pull-ups. Trying to stay in shape. I started researching the Pilgrim Society. Actually, it's Pilgrims Society. However, let's just call it Pilgrim Society because that's easier to say. Uh, back in 1972. Yeah, 1972, and I first found out about it through a book by Gary Allen, that name might be familiar to some of you, and uh, he wrote a book called Nixon, the Man Behind the Mask, and on page 223, he was talking about uh, Nixon's mentor, Elmer Bobst, B-O-B-S-T of Warner Lambert Pharmaceutical Company. Oh, and Bopes, by the way, had quite a reputation as what they call anti-Semitic. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, he says Bopes is a member of the highly secret Pilgrim Society, which is even closer to the inner circle of the conspiracy than the CFR, the, the Council on Foreign Relations. And that's all he said. And oh, it drove me up the wall thinking, hey, I've got to find out anything I can about this thing. This is just crazy. And I'm I'm a very meddlesome person in that sense. I want to know who the termites are who are gnawing away at our national substance. I mean, if you've ever seen a magnificent large tree soaring high up into the air with its canopy of branches and leaves and oh, good Lord, all of a sudden you see this mass of white webs it's web worms eating away at the trees life substance well that's what the pilgrim society is doing to america anyway so early on i discovered a way to identify some of these guys and that was by looking through old volumes of who's who in america and i found uh, dozens of these these guys and they would say Pilgrim Society, Pilgrims Society, The Pilgrims, New York City, Pilgrims of America, Pilgrims of the United States, uh, in lists of clubs in New York that they belong to, uh, like the, the River Club and the Lynx Club, other clubs like the Rolling Rock Club. There's many, many of these clubs. Well, uh, That was my original way of getting information it's very tedious and painstaking of course uh, now there is the um, online searchable resource but the thing is only a small minority of them come out in the who's who and admit anything about this and um, Many of them are not listed in the who's who. You don't have to be listed in the who's who if you don't want to be. And they're figuring that somebody says Pilgrims, oh, well, what is that? That's just another social club or a historical organization. So what I want to talk about this time is uh, our opening session. Some people who've been on the Pilgrims New York City Executive Committee Going back over a century, and I can bring it up to the year 2014, which is the most recent roster. A couple of other things about me before we go further. Uh, I've been invested in the silver market for over 20 years. I started buying hard stuff when it was $4.23 an ounce. I got into a private placement with Silver Standard Resources back in 2001, and I hold uh, some shares in a number of other companies. So these people are, as my website, silversteelers.net reveals, they are the Silver Steelers, and they are the Gold Grabbers. Now, on November 24, 1980, The Associated Press quoted globally prominent musical conductor Leonard Bernstein uh, speaking of such a powerful high force and what we call the high places, if we did know, everything would fall apart. That was in reference to the Kennedy assassination. You know, I found Kennedy's name, JFK's name in Pilgrim's documents. And I found his father's name in the 1940 roster. Well, he was shown the door of the organization when he wouldn't support American entry into World War II. So I'm going to quote a number of things that you may have heard before. I don't want to hammer over the same familiar territory excessively, but this is for the benefit of those who are totally new to the subject. John Whiteford In his 1940 pamphlet, Sir Uncle Sam Knight of the British Empire said, There are several curious things about these pilgrim functions. In the first place, there is present at these dinners an array of notables such as would be difficult to bring together under one roof for any other purpose and by any other society. Among those present were John D. Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan, Thomas W. Lamont, and other members of the House of Morgan. We are entitled to know what the Pilgrim Society is, what it stands for, and who these powerful pilgrims are that can call out the great to hear a British ambassador expound to Americans the virtue of of a United Democratic Front. Well, United Democratic Front, that's just more code language for America being brought back into the British empire. So... On June 30, 1933, in a front-page headline, the New York Times said, Otto H. Kahn, K-A-H-N, he was a member, by the way, seized control of every instrumentality which deals with money. So, yeah, we're fixing to have uh, a remake of our financial system. that call it the Great Reset. I'm going to get to the executive committee. Just be patient. President Lincoln was aware of monopolistic banking amalgamations and remarked, quote, They have the common man in his prison house. They have searched his person and have left no prying instrument with him. One after another, they have closed the heavy iron doors upon him, and now they have him, as it were, bolted in with a lock of 100 keys, which can never be unlocked without the concurrence of every key, The keys in the hands of a hundred different men, and they scatter to a hundred different places, and they stand musing as to what invention in all the dominion of mind and matter can be produced to make the impossibility of his escape more complete than it is. This secret organization of gold and silver stealers and warmongers has had the country by the throat for over a century. Joel van der my associate in the Netherlands, called the Pilgrim's society quote the absolute core of the globalist movement and he said a truly awful amount of influence has been concentrated within this group so naturally I had to come up with my own brief description of them which is as follows the pilgrims society despite its impossibly low public profile is nonetheless a slashing grizzly bear in a field of mice now, here's some members of their executive committee from the 1907 roster. George Gray Ward placed the first undersea communications cables across the Atlantic Ocean. He was an Episcopalian like so many of them are. You have to understand now that the Pilgrims Society is sponsored by the British Royal Family And they also had the Anglican Church of England, which over here in the colonies calls itself the Episcopal Church. That name change occurred in the 1770s because they wanted to take less heat as Crown Loyalists. They also changed the name of King's College in New York to Columbia University. Oh, I forgot to, to mention another one of my credentials der and I are the only two outsiders that they've ever mentioned because we got their attention. And you can find that if you want to Google search the following terms. Worcester, like Worcestershire sauce, but Worcester, Savoy, London, Pilgrims 2012. If you search those terms together, it'll bring you to a PDF where they quoted my research, where I said the Pilgrims organization is a cluster of intermarried old line rich, Royals and robber barons who have created the world's financial structure. Okay, back to the 1907 roster, Joseph Choate, C-H-O-A-T-E, Vanderbilt family attorney of the enormous railroad fortune director of equitable life assurance society of the u.s now the vanderbilts conspired with rockefeller to help drive rockefeller's competitors out of the oil business by giving rockefeller secret rebates so he could undersell them okay another one from 1907 john J. mccook who was a union army officer was a director of wells fargo and company and other interests and oh not coincidentally, the Duke of Westminster from the 2014 roster uh through his Grosvenor group owns a half-interest in the Wells Fargo Tower in Los Angeles. The Grosvenors are probably one of the three wealthiest real estate groups in history. Oh, and let me see, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, um, uh, McCook was a Union Army officer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, early on in January 1903 in New York, when the Pilgrims New York branch was organized to be a correspondent to the original branch in London, they did bring in surviving military brass from both sides of the Civil War. Okay, we're still at 1907. Another member of the executive committee, John W. Griggs, G-R-I-G-G-S. He was uh, governor of New Jersey and United States Attorney General, member of the Permanent Court of Arbitration at The Hague, Netherlands, the World Court, and he was a director of Consolidated National Bank of New York. There were other members on the board of directors, of course. He was also president of Marconi Wireless Radio Company, which became RCA, Radio Corporation of America. Okay, another one from 1907, R.A.C. Smith. Robert Alexander Conrad Smith was commissioner of docks and ferries of New York. The shipping business is bigger and more important than people realize, the ocean shipping business. And he was a member of the New York Port Authority. He also developed and operated the natural gas and electric lighting system of Havana, Cuba, and all across the island of Cuba, and he developed railroads there. Now, moving on to... 1914 Executive Committee, Herbert Livingston Satterley, S-A-T-T-E-R-L-E-E. Now, this name Livingston recurs in more Pilgrim members than any other single name. The Livingstons, they were the same ones that did the Great Louisiana Purchase of over 800,000 square miles. Livingston Manor from Colonial Times, well, Herbert live and, and they're intermarried with a lot of other dynasties that are very important, like the Delafields. Okay, this Satterley uh, he married JP Morgan Senior's oldest daughter. And um, the Livingstons had an enormous colonial land grant fortune, Livingston Manor, and uh Satterley was vice president of the National Institute of Social Sciences, which happens to be the Pilgrims Society's eugenics think tank, still in operation to this day, scheming against the common people. Uh, the Livingston genealogy is more dispersed in the Pilgrims Society than that of any other single dynasty, at least in the USA branch. 1914, again, Cornelius Vanderbilt. Of the fantastically massive Vanderbilt Railroad fortune, rated as history's seventh largest fortune. Uh, We have um, uh, the Vanderbilt still on the scene today, although they're very quiet, uh, except for Vanderbilt Cooper. Okay, another one, 1914, Alonzo Barton Hepburn, president of Chase National Bank president of the anti-silver bankers club in new york trustee of rockefeller foundation he was on many corporate boards southern cotton oil company blah 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 on and on chairman of the currency commission of the american bankers association which lobbied for the central bank act of 1913 the new york times december 23 1908 reported jacob h schiff Barton Hepburn and others say the silver agitation cannot be revived Schiff was a founder of the pilgrims New York City is one of uh, I believe it's 21 original members uh, most some were Episcopalians Schiff of course was Jewish and we'll have more to say about Schiff and his descendants uh, as we proceed hopefully in this series uh, guess what they converted to Episcopal Church to be in favor with the royal family. Wow. <laughs> and n- n- not only that, but there was a member of the Seligman financier dynasty who was removed from the Pilgrim Society because he did something to offend the king. Okay. 1914. Alton B. Parker, Justice of the New York State Supreme Court, Chief Justice, Court of Appeals, New York. Nominated by a Democrat party to run for USA president in 1904. Delegate at large, 1912 Democrat National Convention. President, New York County Lawyers Association. Member, New York State Bar Association. President, American Bar Association for a two-year term. And another one from 1914, Frederick Whitridge of number 59 Wall Street. Director of Westchester Electric Railroad, Northern Ohio Rail- Railway, Niagara Falls Power Plant Company, Union Railway Company, etc. Now, in the early days of the Pilgrim Society, the railroad industry had more representation in it than even the banking sector, but they were usually bank directors as well. Now, let's move up to
1: 1936. Let me get a sip of water. I'm about to go dry. This is great information, and its I think it's important for people to understand that these guys came out of the whole Rhodes Roundtable era with Rhodes Wills, and these guys were the top of the top. I mean, these guys, you know, there's not a lot said about them now, but they controlled our country, and there was a lot of intermarriage in there, wasn't there? And, and a lot of these guys and these families are still going strong today, right?
0: Yeah, it it does center around Rhodes. In fact, before we start on the 36th Executive Committee, let me make some remarks about this very important article in the American Review of Reviews, May 1902, about the life and vision of Cecil Rhodes. Uh, It never mentions Pilgrim Society. However... There's no other organization that that information matches to but the Pilgrim Society, and that was May 1902. The article came out. It was founded in London the very next month. So yeah, it it was about Cecil Rhodes, and uh, one of the things that he had as a feature of his plans for his secret society was they're going to entice as many wealthy men as possible to become members. And they say it he was saying, you know, one of the one of the problems that these wealthy men have that always plagues their conscience is which of their incompetent relatives would they leave their fortunes to? Well, they solved that by if the children were not suitable to become members, they'd figure that out and the funds of the rich guy would go into some kind of uh internecine trust held by financiers on wall street or in boston state street corporation and people people can't understand how powerful that is but um so the the pilgrim society is the world's biggest investment trust uh in spite of the fact that practically speaking it's invisible and noiseless So, anyway, the 1936 Executive Committee, Franklin Q. Brown, Episcopalian, partner, Redmond and Company Investment Bankers, chairman, American International Airways, chairman, National Surety Company Insurance, president, Dobbs Ferry National Bank, director, J.G. White Engineering Corporation, James G. White was an important member, Director, Cuba Grapefruit Company, Lima Locomotive Works, Minneapolis and St. Louis Railroad, New York Indemnity Indemnity Company, Central Westchester and Fairfield Realty, Director, New York, Rio and Buenos Aires Lion, that's um, ocean going vessels, Chairman Advisory Committee to US Railroad Administration. Now, his son was with the Central Intelligence Agency for 20 years. William Greer was JFK's driver the day JFK was assassinated in Dallas. Greer was chauffeur for Franklin Q. Brown for 13 years. Okay, 1936 Executive Committee. Frank L. Polk, P-O-L-K, Acting U.S. Secretary of State, 19 19- 18 to 1919. Commissioner plenipotentiary of United States to negotiate peace, head of American delegation to Paris Peace Conference. He acted to guarantee World War II in league with his British counterparts. What they did was they had uh, 440 clauses to the Treaty of Versailles, the Palace of Versailles at Paris, and out of 440 clauses of the treaty, 419 were separate, distinct punishments against Germany. They made uh, life for the Germans really miserable, and, uh, oh, of course, uh, they blamed Germany for the war, but they started the war. That's another subject, but uh, Lord Curzon, a member of the Pilgrims, said, it is not a peace treaty, but a break in hostilities. So as soon as another generation of German boys grew up, they could become soldiers. Guess what? The war broke out and they drove Germany to dis- desperation. Else they would have never turned to a military dictator. Now back to Frank L. Polk. Guess what? He was a director of Chase National Bank and United States Trust Company. Now, The Astors also held large interests in Chase National Bank, and they dominated United States Trust Company at 45 Wall Street. Polk was a director of Bowery Savings Bank, uh, Northern Pacific Railway, a very big operation, commercial cable company, the McKay Companies, the Transatlantic Cable, And uh, Polk was a trustee of the Episcopal Cathedral of St. John the Divine. Now, the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in Trinity Wall Street Church, New York, are infested and crawling with Pilgrims Society members. These people are spooks and moral freaks, but they're there. And there's so much money there, they're not even on a list. Polk was a director of uh, excuse me a partner in Davis Polk and Wardwell today still a very elite pilgrims society family dynasty law firm and it is special counsel to the infamous Pfizer pharmaceutical and to bullion bank JP Morgan Chase everybody raised well i say everybody raised so many people raised about Uh, The Jews this, the Jews that, but what they're doing is they're looking for a scapegoat, and uh, and there are some Jews in the organization, but it's Episcopalian dominant and Anglican dominant. Okay, Gano Dunn, president of J.G. White Engineering Corporation. There's another name we've heard before. Trustee of Greenwich Savings Bank. Now, see, what these guys did and what they still do is they get... Millions of little people together, and they get them to deposit money into something, mutual funds, for example, and then they have control over the disposition of these funds. Uh, Okay, Dunn was a director of Grace National Bank of the Grace family, which is uh, J. Peter Grace, Grace Chemical, a large chemical company. Gannon Dunn was a trustee of Columbia University, which was King's College. Delegate to International Electric Congress, delegate to Pan American Scientific Congress, Pan American Commercial Congress, member of the Nitrate Commission, that's explosives of the United States War Department, chairman of the State Department Special Committee on Submarine Cables, president American Institute of Electrical Engineers, Director, of Pan American Society, which helped install central banks in countries south of the border, and Director of Argentine American Chamber of Commerce, and a member of the National Academy of Science. Andrew Mellon, 1936 Executive Committee. He was a multi-term Treasury Secretary in the 1920s who cheated United States silver producers out of $14 million by flouting the terms of the Pittman Silver Purchase Act of 1918. Uh, That's another subject in itself. And the case was argued to the Supreme Court where the silver producers lost because they had friends on the court, the society. Mellon, now understand this was the greatest financial genius in the entire world in his time. He held off J.P. Morgan in U.S. Steel with Union Sharon Steel, and he held off the Rockefeller Standard Oil with Gulf Oil. Uh, you've got to understand about the Pilgrim Society that <clears throat> there are conflicts in the organization, but they, they always remain on the inside and nobody will ever mention the organization. Now, Mellon was a known heavy holder in over 300 corporations, and a member of Congress uh, said um, that Mellon's fortune, uh, Wright Patman, a member of Congress at the time, said that Mellon's fortune was equal to the entire value of all the property in the state of Texas. Today, we have Bank of New York Mellon representing $34 trillion. Now, another one from the 1936 Executive Committee, Gates McGarra, president of the New York Clearinghouse Association, chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. You can go to Silver Steelers, and at the top, click on where it says who controls the gold-stealing New York Fed Bank. I've got it all documented. I've got scans of original documents, and it's all there. Everything I do is a free read. I don't make any money doing this. I'm doing this as a public service because somebody had to do it, and God gave me access to information, which is extremely hard to come by. Now, Gates McGarrett, also became first president of the Bank for International Settlements. Over in Basel, Switzerland, he was a director of various corporations, member of the Anti-Silver Bankers Club in New York. His grandson, Richard Helms, was ambassador to Iran, CIA director, and a Pilgrims member. Let it be stated that the CIA does not run America. The Federal Reserve does not run America. The Pilgrims Society is the United States Management Committee. It manages the country for the royal family. And uh, I mentioned the Bank for International Settlements. Well, guess what? Leon Fraser was the second president of the Bank for International Settlements, also a member. Fraser... uh, took a gun and blew his brains out. I don't remember what his problem was, but anyway. 1940 roster, executive committee. Okay, here we go. Leon Fraser, he was legal advisor to the American delegation of the 1924 London Prime Minister's Conference. That's throughout the British Empire. Uh, and he was, yeah, the second president of the BIS. And then Fraser became president of First National City Bank of New York. Director of General Electric, United States Steel, and Mutual Life Insurance. Trustee of Columbia University. See, this thing is a royalist thing all the way. He was a trustee also of the American Academy in Rome. Union College. American Academy of Political Science, which is very dirty, trustee of the American Historical Association, and their um, their many, many, many university authors uh, present what they see as the correct view of history, such as the 1929 October stock market crash caused the Great Depression, it did not. British India dumped silver on the world market, killing the currency of half the world. That's what caused the depression. Leon Fraser was a member of the Federal Advisory Council to the Federal Reserve System. He was decorated by the governments of Yugoslavia, France, Belgium, Italy. He was in charge of German reparations payments for World War I in 1924 to 27. Okay, moving on, the 1940 Executive Committee. Owen D. Young, Chairman of RCA, Radio Corporation of America, and then became Chairman of General Electric. These wealthy families put these big operators who are their uh, their authorized deputies into these positions of power. Oh, and, and let me make this statement. <clears throat> you do have people who are not members of the pilgrims, who are bossing members of the pilgrims to represent their interests, and so what it comes down to is this, that certain people are deemed qualified to be fiduciary representatives for the various dynasties, and they get to get admitted, but what they are is not substantial powers in themselves, now some of these members are powers in themselves. Others are just representing the power of this dynasty or that dynasty, be it the Firestones or the Roosevelts or whoever. Owen D. Young was also chairman of the Banking and Industrial Committee of the second for the Second Federal Reserve District, advisor to the London Conference of Premiers, 1924. Chairman, International Chamber of Commerce, member, League of Nations Association. See, after World War One. The British came out with the League of Nations, Lord Cecil. The Vanderbilts are intermarried with the Cecils. There's a lot of transatlantic marriages in this thing. Uh, Okay, Young was a member of the League of Nations Association. Trustee of St. Lawrence University. They're all over the big universities. Member visiting committee, Harvard University Library and member National Advisory Board, Yale Institute of Human Relations, Director of Council on Foreign Relations. They founded the Council on Foreign Relations as an outer ring so that they could extend their influence without uh, adding to the numbers of members. Uh, It's a very tight circle, and around this circle are larger, like concentric circles, and these are satellite organizations to the Pilgrim Society, Uh, over a thousand satellite organizations, by the way. Young was decorated by Japan, France, Belgium, Germany, and by the National Institute of Social Sciences, which, as I said, is their eugenics think tank to convert Americans into royal family serfs. They also have a guy named John Shannon currently uh heading the american branch of the royal college of arms royal oak foundation other things like that it it gets into so much territory it's just almost impossible for one person to cover it all myron mm-hmm. taylor chairman of united states steel director first national bank of new york director metropolitan opera and real estate company Director of the Vanderbilts, New York Central Railroad. Director, American Telephone and Telegraph, Mutual Life Insurance, Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway. Trustee, Metropolitan Museum of Art, New York Public Library, Wells College, Cornell University, which has the Sphinx Head Society. Trustee, American Academy in Rome, St. Luke's Hospital, New York. They're all over the New York hospitals appointed by Franklin Roosevelt in 1939 as personal representative to the Vatican, which post Myron Taylor held into 1950. And he was a member of the Anti-Silver Bankers Club. Okay, we got two more to do on the 1940 roster, and then I'm going to let you talk. I need a, a break. Alfred L. Aiken, Episcopalian, governor, Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, President, New York Life Insurance Company, President National Shawmut Bank of Boston, Trustee Franklin Savings Bank, Clark University, and Wellesley College. Thomas Lamont. Now, financial historian Ferdinand Lundberg in America's 60 Families, 1937 remarked: quote, "An extraordinarily complex and resourceful personality." Thomas W. Lamont, who has been the brains of J.P. Morgan and company throughout the post-war period, that is after World War I, and was a mentor of Woodrow Wilson in Wilson's second administration, as well as of President Herbert Hoover. Hoover was a member throughout his fateful single term in the White House. Lamont has exercised more power for 20 years in the Western Hemisphere has put into effect more final decisions from which there has been no appeal than any other person. Lamont has been the first consul de facto in the invisible directory of post-war high finance and politics. A man consulted by presidents, prime ministers, governors of central banks, the directing intelligence behind the Dawes and Young plans, Lamont is Protean. He is a diplomat, an editor a writer, a publisher, a politician, a statesman, an international presence as well as a financier, end quote. Now, when they say that Lamont uh, seemed to be the most powerful person at the time, well, what that means is the power he had was delegated to him by the many dynasties represented in J.P. Morgan and Company. Okay, it was a delegated power. And of course, he became quite wealthy on his own. Now, Lamont headed J.P. Morgan & Company after J.P. Morgan Jr. retired. Lamont was a director of Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway, U.S. Steel. Remember, notice we keep coming up with some of the same corporations. International Agricultural Corporation, First National Bank of New York, a supposedly competing bank. Trustee Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching, which is probably behind all the uh, unrest in the school boards today. President, Board of Trustees of Phillips Exeter Academy, which is heavily Episcopalian. Many of these members went through Phillips Exeter before they go to universities like Harvard or Yale or Princeton. Overseer of Harvard University, which, by the way, Harvard's endowment is bigger than Yale's endowment, Um, Lamont was representative of the the Treasury Department to the 1919 Paris Peace Conference. These Pilgrim members were all over the Paris Peace Conference, uh, the Treaty of Versailles, there to ensure that a second world war would happen. After each world war, the British tried to have a world government. The UN was their second attempt Okay, Lamont was chairman of the American section of the International Consortium for the Assistance of China, which is smelly, chairman of the International Committee of Bankers for Adjustment of Mexican Debt, and he loaned $100 million to Italian fascist Benito Mussolini in 1927. Now, I have one more thing to say, and I've got to take a break. Yep. Uh, of note, in the 1940 Pilgrim's roster is Robert P. Lamont who was Commerce Secretary in the Hoover Administration, and he came from a background in steel and railroads. Patterson acquired Charles E. Saltzman, S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N, as a son-in-law, and also acquired Chauncey Belknap as a son-in-law. Both became Pilgrims Society members. Saltzman's father was an Army General in the Philippines, and Saltzman, who was a Rhodes Scholar, became a Goldman Sachs partner and was decorated by seven countries and on various corporate boards, including one of the pharma companies. Charles C. Belknap of one Wall Street was a Wall Street attorney in Patterson, Belknap, Webb, and Tyler, a top Pilgrim's Society law firm, still very active in pharma and the high finance sectors. <clears throat> Bill Knapp was president of New York State Bar Association and a trustee of Princeton University. Now, younger members of the society frequently become sudden in to elder members. This pattern of wealth concentration by marriages traces to
1: medievalism
0: and further back into ancient times. Now, let me take a break
1: and you say something. Wow, great information. Just unbelievable. You know, the more I, I hear about these things and look into this lost, this hidden history, it, it's just so evident to me that our whole world runs by these very sophisticated mafioso types. You know, they really have these networks. It's all about networking and keeping it in the, the families and keeping it in the societies. You know, people just have no clue because we're taught, you know, are kind of a uh, socially conditioned to just blame it on whoever the president is or the speaker of the house or you know they always throw out a couple of politicians that are causing trouble saying something controversial and then one of the other politicians from the other side will come out and say something you know they keep our attention focused on those faces which are they're just that i think they're they're just the faces you know they're kind of like characters in, in a political soap opera and as you're explaining, uh, the real, you know, the real people who control the money and, and the money means everything, is the Pilgrim Society and all their many offshoots, like the, you know, of course the Council on Foreign Relations and trilaterals and Brookings Institute and you know you could just go on and on and on with all those. And um, the real person, the average person, has no idea how their country even works. It's mind-blowing. It's sad. It really is sad. Um, and one thing I was going to ask, I meant to uh, mention it earlier, was uh, <laughs> Carnegie a Pilgrim Society? Oh,
0: yes, big time. Big time. He was in the uh, 1914 roster, and he traveled to England and um, groveling before the king, and everything he was doing was for the king. And uh, if you remember the movie Braveheart, <laughs> where Longshanks is talking about forming alliances with uh, Scottish nobility well that's what this thing is it's an alliance and uh, there's more cooperation than not in the group like I said there is conflict but there's more cooperation than not and uh, <clears throat> I, I I I intended to mention another, another one of the uh, feathers in my cap I don't want to appear boastful but I have paid my dues. In May, 1979, well, let me back up a second. December 19, 1973, I got a letter from New York, from Mrs. E.M. Simpson, Assistant Secretary of the Pilgrims USA. And she says, the Pilgrims of the United States is not a secret society. It is the senior Anglo-American society there is no other information available well that cracked me up but <clears throat> from their letterhead I got their symbol which uh, shows a like a pilgrim traveler on a horse and there's a, an eagle um, up high in the sketch It was done by an artist for the illustrated London news the eagle represents the United States walking beside the horse is a lion which represents the british Empire. and up near the top they show a bridge and a rail um, freight train going over the bridge and they show an ocean-going vessel and they show somebody on a bicycle well all that is imagery of industries that they controlled steel railroads ocean-going freight uh even bicycles Now, since we've got a ways to go, uh, let's get back to the 1949 Executive Committee, some of the members. Lewis W. Douglas, in the case for monetary reform in the Mining Congress Journal, December 1965, on pages 52 and 54, we note Douglas crowing, quote, there seems to be, and probably ought to be, resistance on well-taken grounds to a sufficiently substantial increase in the price of gold. No one, certainly not I, would denigrate the role which the IMF has played. Now, Douglas, at the time he made his gold-suppressive statement, guess what? He was a director of Newmont Mining Corporation, which is gold, working against the interests of rank-and-file shareholders. Douglas was the son of an Arizona compromising magnate with holdings in Phelps Dodge Corporation. He was ambassador to England 1947 to 50 and chairman, Mutual Life Insurance of New York 1947 to 1959. Douglas was a director of International Nickel Company of Canada, (INCO), Union Corporation of South Africa, another gold miner, Western Band Corporation, Continental Oil, Conoco, General Motors, First America, International Nickel, yeah, we said that, okay, Union Corporation of South Africa, blah, 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 Southern Arizona Bank and Trust, and others, and a director of Council on Foreign Relations, so that's their main subsidiary 1940 to 64. He was president of the Academy of Political Science, a think tank, had a manipulate politics at national and state level. He was with the War Shipping Administration, 1942 to 44. These people were all over the wartime agencies in both wars. And uh, Douglas was a member of the Order of the British Empire, OBE, and he chaired the English-speaking Union of the U.S., a Pilgrims Society subsidiary. By the way, I have a cousin in Dallas who's pretty misguided, she believes in gun control, and she's also an official of the English-Speaking Union Dallas branch. <laughs> and, uh, well, one of the things they want to do is make English the world language. Douglas's daughter, Sharman married Andrew M. Hay, a member of the Order of the British Empire and the Pilgrims, a trustee of the Winston Churchill Foundation, Hay was a liquor magnate, president of British American Chamber of Commerce, and the February 8, 1996 New York Times death notice on Charmin said she was a lifelong friend of the British royal family. Andrew Hay became a director of LCF, Edmund de Securities, the Fort Worth, Texas Star-Telegram. September 28, 1986, page 6, section D, featured these remarks about Lewis W. Douglas and, of course, did his duty by keeping in the dark the fact of his membership in the Pilgrim Society. Quote, he helped launch the Marshall Plan, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and the creation of Israel. Overruling the judgments of Congress, legislators, and even presidents, on the most controversial of national policy, from the Roosevelt Supreme Court to Watergate, Douglas understood the internal dynamics of complex things like the New Deal and NATO better than any other American. Charman Douglas became a friend of Princess Margaret and was photographed with members of the royal family and the diplomatic corps more often than was her father, who received orders and honors from all the courts of Europe for his work with NATO. He achieved awesome power in Washington and in the courts of the world. End quote. Lewis Douglas was a member of the President's Advisory Committee on Weather Control. Yes. And a Rockefeller Foundation trustee, trustee of the General Education Board and Amherst College, Democrat and Episcopalian. His wife, Peggy zinser inherited a chemical industry fortune now Winthrop W Aldrich 1949 executive committee an heir to the Winthrop family fortune tracing to colonial Massachusetts in the 1600s you know land is the basis of all wealth one way or another and he was an heir to that of the Aldrich fortune both tracing back to Massachusetts Bay Colony They came to the new world as Royalist representatives. Then in the year 1953 to 57, Winthrop Aldrich was ambassador to the United Kingdom, which sent his long deceased ancestors to the new world. Aldrich was president of Chase National Bank, 1939 to 34, then chairman, 1934 to 53, was decorated by the United Kingdom, France, Belgium, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands, trustee, Presbyterian Hospital, New York. Two of his cousins were Pilgrim's members and were on boards such as Southern Pacific Railroad, New York Trust Company, Chemical Bank, Empire Savings Bank, IBM, World Trade Corporation, G.W. Rogers Construction, Royal Globe Insurance Companies, National Distillers and Chemical, that's booze, Commonwealth Fund, Adela Investment Company, which is, I think, mostly South America, Equitable Life Assurance Company, Society, American Electric Power System, and, uh, of course, he was the son of another member, Senator Aldrich of the Federal Reserve Act. Okay, Lucius Wilmerding. I think he was related to the DuPonts. Uh, I can't confirm that at this time, but he was a director of the Bank of New York, which traces to 1784 and Alexander Hamilton. He was also a f- director of Fifth Avenue Bank an Episcopalian, director of City and Suburban Homes Company, which was an Astor family enterprise. He was an investment banker in Harris Upham and Company and president of the Grolier Club, New York City. George L. Harrison, second president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, succeeded Pilgrim Society member Benjamin Strong, Jr. at that post under the chairmanship of Pilgrim Society member Gates-McGara, who went to Switzerland to be first chief of the Bank for International Settlements. Harrison, after the NIFED, chaired New York Life Insurance Company and became a director of First National Citibank, Radio Corporation of America, they're very interested in communications and media, National Broadcasting Company, NBC, Harper and Brothers Publishers, here here we go again, Trustee of Columbia University, Foreign Service Educational Foundation, Life Insurance Association of America, Committee for Economic Development, Army Relief Society, New York Chamber of Commerce, Alternate Chairman, Interim Policy Committee on Atomic Energy. Uh, I wish we had time to cover Glenn T. Seaborg, who was Chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission. He was the inventor of uh, the discoverer of certain isotopes and elements on various corporate boards and a director of the World Future Society. Well, anyway, the Interim Policy Committee on Atomic Energy means the Manhattan Project, which used enormous amounts of Treasury Department silver for making the atomic bomb, member New York State Banking Board, member of the typical Pilgrim Society interlock clubs, including the Lynx New York and the Metropolitan in D.C., where they have chance to meet with members of Congress, also at the Cosmos Club and the Congressional Country Club, Okay, one more member of the 1949 Executive Committee. Thomas Ignatius Parkinson, president of Equitable Life Assurance Society. See, these big insurance companies, they have people sending premiums from all over the country, and then they get these billions together and they manipulate it. Director, Atlantic Mutual Insurance, Immigrant Industrial Savings Bank, Centennial Insurance, Continental Insurance, Director, Chase National Bank. Pittsburgh, Consolidated Coal, Long Island Railroad, Westinghouse Electric. George Westinghouse was a member. Director of the Borden Company, the so-called Milk Trust. American Telephone and Telegraph, and here we go again. Trustee, Columbia University, Trustee, Rockefeller Foundation, and University of Pennsylvania, Parkinson was president of the New York Chamber of Commerce. Now you say something while I rest.
1: Well, so this Columbia University, this is there's so many of them that have been affiliated with it. Is that just symbolic? Do you think, or are they doing something in particular at Columbia University, or is it a way to launder money through there? Or
0: what? Oh well, all the all the big universities are hotbeds of subversion one way or another.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely that. Yeah, for sure. I know the CFR, you know, it's it's like nearly every big dean is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, it seems like. All right, guys, that was part one of the History of the Pilgrim Society with Charles Savoy. And I want to thank Charles once again for coming on and look for next week to be part two with Charles and we're just doing a series on the Pilgrim Society and some of the things that he is an expert on. So I'm looking really forward to continuing this series, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Now I want to thank my patrons quickly Chris, the newest. I am working on that private RSS feed, Chris. Rooster, Robert, Frog Dog Blake, Thaddeus, Kilowatt, Sir Tim of the Tunnels. Thank you for your clever comments on Twitter, Tim. Aaron. David, Jack Allen from Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence, and James, David, I hope you are feeling better, my friend, and thank you for all the kind words, and guys, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, no matter what's going on in your lives, we can all find something to be thankful for, and I am thankful for you guys and your support, thanks for taking the time to hang out with me, cheers and blessings, and remember... Their order is not our order. See you guys.